at the time I was utterly vilified because I dared employ a bunch of kids with no education and no, no skills to play video games all day. And I wasn't paying them as much as somebody working in an office here in the US. Navigators, thanks for joining me today. So I have a really awesome and unique guest today, somebody I've known for years, um, who to me is an inspiration because he sort of just sees things, you know, takes the opportunity um, and makes makes the bo- most out of technology that he can. Um, and so today, my guest is Patrick Bernard, who. I will introduce you. I will introduce him to you as a fearless entrepreneur. He's uh, the the founder of sites such as GamersLoot.net, um, and I think he was running uh, another one up until recently. And he works with a lot of I don't want to call it outsourcing, but a lot of you know technology outside of the United States um, and helping people get into technology that aren't, you know, your traditional, you know, American IT folks. So, so with that, Patrick, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Preston. Uh, Quite the introduction. I'll try to live up to that. Yeah. So you will, I have no doubts. (laughs) So, you know, in a few minutes, just, just uh, let us know, you know, who you are and sort of how you got your start in technology. Okay. Um, well, I, I was fortunate enough to be an exchange student actually in, uh, in California, just near Silicon Valley in Morgan Hill, close to San Jose, um, back in 92, 93. And at that time, you know, internet was barely a concept that a few and the university people had. Um, when I went back to France to keep in touch with uh, with my friends in the U.S., some of them that were in college were saying, "Hey, don't you have an email address?" And and I've always been, you know, intrigued by by technology and computers. I, I had a TI ninety nine. I had an Amstrad. I had you know various things like that. And when someone mentioned email, I was very curious what the heck she was talking about. She explained, and I I looked around, and actually one of the universities near where I lived was one of the pioneers in in southern France, Um, and they were offering to foreign students access to email to contact their their family. It, It wasn't something that regular students were using because nobody knew the internet and what it was and and all that. So, um, but that kind of got me bitten. And from there on, I'm like, oh my gosh, you can do all those things. Um, And I I managed to work my way into a basically BS computer science in in the US, in, in France, I'm sorry. And while studying for that, um, I, I kind of hunted and, and tried to get more information and did projects on their internet and various technologies and TCP IP and, you know, servers that were out there at the time. Um, while I was looking at the internet, Mosaic came out and the first website with those links you could follow. And I, I, I very much witnessed 
the development of the internet as we know it today. Um, and it, it, to me, it, it quickly became something that I knew would just revolutionize the world. Um, I was concerned that some countries and some people would be left behind. So, uh, like right out of college, I, I started a nonprofit called WIND, um, Worldwide Internet Development at the time, and which, which later morphed into um, internet uh, development. I, you know, um, interesting boring names at the time, but I was very young. I was totally clueless about business. And in a way, it is that cluelessness and that refusal to accept everybody's wisdom that you couldn't start a business at 21, that you didn't know enough, that you had to, to have a real job first, that you had to make money, that you had to do all those things so you could start a business. Um, but I was fearless already back at, back then, maybe even more. Um, and so I just launched myself with it. Um, people in Southern France had no idea what, what the internet was. And I started building this interconnected network of, of local websites for businesses and getting them to finance kind of some, you know, social work I was trying to do with the internet, uh, you know, teaching classes and things like that. And then um, I actually had the opportunity to visit China uh, to see my girlfriend at the time. And when I went in China, and that was back in 97, my mind was blown away. You can imagine China was like barely at the cusp of, of really opening up to, to economies and to uh, the free market and all of that and encouraging people to have businesses. I mean, you still had bullets in, the, in, in some of the Tiananmen Square uh, statues and such. Um, oh bullet, hole, bullet holes, I mean, yes, it was just very interesting to see what I had seen on TV before. Um, but I decided to go back. And so early 98, I went back there and I opened a branch of my business to do the same thing, to develop a website for local businesses that would be tied within the cities, that would tie itself tied to my city back in France. The idea being to develop a, a a worldwide network of, of CD websites with all the biz local businesses information and many other things. Um, and that was challenging because Chinese culture was very different. And back then they were not dealing with foreigners very much. Um, it was still very early on. While I was gone from France, the business wasn't doing well because I wasn't there anymore. Uh, when I went back to try to help the French business, the Chinese people stole the Chinese business. So anyway, um, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I was <sighs> wide-eyed and, and very naive about business, about the world, about a lot of things. And jumping in and doing that, um, my energy really helped me just plow forward despite all the adversities, doing things that were mm -hmm. mostly impossible. Um, and I ended up having to close that one and I came to California and Silicon Valley was, you know, 99 and the big dot-com boom and my skills were in high demand. I, I worked for a couple of companies and, and in 2001, that's when I founded Gamers Loot. Um, I'd been looking forward for a while and I'd been playing online games realized there was a demand for, you know, virtual goods, which at the time was 
very new as well, but yeah. I could see it was going to be very big. And, and people were still buying games from stores, even though they actually were downloading the software, they still needed the keys that were in the boxes in the stores. And that was very inefficient. Um, so I saw an opportunity there. And, and for a while, Gamers Loot, I believe, was actually the largest um, distributor of World of Warcraft in the world. We were moving tens of thousands of copies a month um, throughout the world. We had customers in 181 different countries. That's crazy. Including Antarctica, Moldova, and, and many crazy places that... I might have heard of, but, and I ended, ended up speaking to, to those customers because we were calling each customer individually to verify their, their purchase. And so I, yeah, I ended up talking to people all over the world. The Antarctica person was like, wow, I was so psyched when I saw your site and I could get my CD key. You know, I had to download it, download the game through dial up and that's how I'm playing. But it was, you know, <laughs> weather station, the, the, it was just very interesting. So uh, I actually made friends with some uh, some customers in China uh, who were distributing the, the game there. I, I went to their wedding a few years later. It, it's just been a very exciting adventure. And in that process, actually, that's what kind of set me up to an, ending up moving in the Philippines. I set up a call center um, in, in the Philippines. And backing up a little bit, through GamersWood.net, I actually had a, a center in Romania. And oh my gosh, at the time, I was utterly vilified because I dared employ a bunch of kids with no education and no no skills to play video games all day. And I wasn't paying them as much as somebody working in an office here in the U.S. Yeah. And to me, it's like, um, guys, we're... And, and it was very interesting because some of the people criticizing me were wearing shirts and pants stitched together by kids that were minors being paid a tenth of what I was paying my employees. But that was accepted. So it, it was just very interesting the way people were looking at the whole offshoring and outsourcing thing because it wasn't a thing yet. Nobody was doing it. I was, I was kind of a forefront of that again. Uh-huh. So I, I keep kind of riding the web ahead and you have to fight a lot of opposition for that. You have to be ready to have a lot of people just look at you like you're crazy and, and believe that you can't see things they just don't. Um, but it, it does make life very, very exciting. So I end up in the Philippines with a call center um, when Blizzard finally kind of woke up and started selling the keys digitally and, a lot, and, and China had a lot of hackers just managing 50 computers, running bots and things like that. We, I didn't want to bought things and kind of ruined the experience for players. So I didn't want to go that route. Um, we got hacked as well. A lot of CD keys sold, stolen and, and such. Um, so it, it was just lots of things to learn. I, I, at one point I had over 200 employees um, to process the, the launch of, of any of the new games coming out to, to handle all the flow of orders. So yeah, lots of things to learn. And you know, again, no formal training, any of that. I, I, I was trained as a programmer and I ended up doing a few hours of coding, you know, in my entire life. Um, I, I, you know, I, I ended up being a, a manager and a director and, and handing people that were doing coding. And through that, I kind of kept up with a lot of the technology, but yeah, my training was in coding and I basically never did that. So I, I had no marketing training. I had no sales training. I had no legal training. And yet 
I ended up being a salesperson, a marketing person, a legal person. And, and to be frank, I had to do those jobs better than people that had been trained those things because it was my business. And right. I, knowing the business and having the passion gave me the energy and the drive to research on particular points that apply to my business that they were not familiar with. Um, and I mean, I, I taught lawyers points of law that they didn't know about or that they had told me, no, that's illegal. And I'm like, well, I don't think so because I read the law and it says that. It's like, oh, well, um, and turns out I was right. But, um, you know, and, and doing a lot of things that, yeah, I, I never learned, but had to learn on my own. So, um, and from there being in the Philippines, I, you know, I hired some people to have a VP at some point and, <clears throat> It's just, it's been a very exciting ride. So, nice. So, what's uh, so you know, post Gamers Loot, what uh, what are you doing nowadays? So, um, after Gamers Loot, I launched I launched Fearless Development, uh, which was a BPO company, basically having uh, Filipino .NET developers mainly doing work for uh, U.S., Australian, and European companies. And I did that uh, until a couple of years ago. Um, and for about a year and a half now, uh, I've basically been ministering to um, street teenagers in the Philippines that don't have parents that are, uh, you know, surrounded by drugs. A lot of them are addicts. Um, a number of them are sold or, or sent to be prostitutes by their parents to make some money. Um, it's kind of a, I mean, the Philippines is still a third world country in many ways. And having lived there for over 10 years, I've been very sensitized to what's going on and trying to find ways to help. So, yeah. Um, and right now I'm actually, looking at getting back into the business world, um, potentially working for a company or working on some projects, looking for work, I guess. Um, I'm hoping that either I can find some project that I would do part-time so I can keep my ministry going or um, doing something full-time for a while until I manage to save enough money that I can go back and maybe launch some vocational school program to get them some skills that they can use or, you know, find some ways of, of helping there. So, so let's talk about this because I, you know, I've known you for years um, mm -hmm. and I know you kind of see the currents and the way things are changing. Mm -hmm. You know, you keep your, you keep your head to the ground with, uh, you know, the shifts in technology. Yep. What do you see as the big change in the next few years? And then I'm going to follow that question up with what should people be doing skill-wise to prepare for that? Okay. Well, I mean, the quote-unquote obvious one is AI. That That is dramatically going to affect – it's AI is the next internet. Um, you're going to have AI – because. And it's going to have many applications and many niche areas that will need to be specialized for that area. Um, I mean, one AI that, that's been talked about a lot is self-driving. That, that's going to affect millions of people around the world. You know, the driver is going to completely change how we view transportation. Um, and having skills in the general AI field almost guarantee that you can find work, I would expect. Um, there, there's already a huge shortage of AI experts. They've been, and the problem is 
big companies have been poaching um, teachers at, at big universities, offering them incredible packages to come work with them that they just couldn't refuse. And because of that, it's hard to find somebody that can teach you about that kind of thing. It's hard to develop a curriculum to teach students about AI um, because the people that teach it, a lot of the top ones have been recruited already. Um, there are resources online. There's, there's data sets. There's, there's already... Uh, tools that, that Amazon and Google and, and so on provide that can allow you to develop your own AI system in some ways. And I encourage people to look into that if it's something they're, they're uh, interested in. Um, because it's, it's going to spread to every area, area of the world. It's, I mean, one, one big area that I see that, that can dramatically affect the world as well is AI applied to hiring and job search. I mean, at the moment, it, to me, it is one of the most inefficient system out there. It, it is something that is costing the world more GDPs than anything else I can think of. Um, can you imagine if, if each individual, like even 10% of the individual had an AI that could help them figure out what skills um, they would be best at and, and match them indicate to them which jobs and which areas of work they, they would be happiest in and most qualified for. And at the same time, helping companies figure out that for this job, well, yeah, sure, maybe you need to learn how to code, but it, it's actually not one of the critical things. You also need to be able to manage people. You need to be able to relate well to people. Like you need a number of, of quality traits that companies will not find in a resume. However, if you use AI to, you know, if you let an AI scan your emails and, and your text messages and your LinkedIn posts and your LinkedIn profile and, and your Facebook, which, you know, a lot of it is already available to Facebook or to LinkedIn or to Google. Um, if you let an AI look into that for you, it very soon within, I would say, two to five years, it will be able to, to create a picture for you of, of what area of life you would be happiest in. Um, and, and, you know, kind of match that with which area of life you might generate the most income from. And, and on, based on the, the cross path of that, you can add localization, like within your area of interest, what kind of jobs would be happy for you and would generate some reasonable income. So I, I think that AI for, for recruiting and for job search is, is a big area that I know people are just starting to really look into, um, but I, I would expect it would explode. Um, and, and that's just one of many AI area for you. You can apply that to relationships, but that's a lot more tricky. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's been used in a way to to find books to read or or movies to watch. But it's still very much in the, the early stages of of well, people seem to like that, so you probably would like that as well. And that yeah. they should be able to refine that much more with with solid AI. Um, so there, there's, it, it's a field that's just at the cusp of, of becoming a huge thing in every area of life. Nice. Nice. So <clears throat> since you talk, uh, a lot about, um, you know, recruiting and, and people, and I know you've, you know, you've had 200 employees, right? <laughs> so let's talk, you know, soft skills um and you know when people come to interview with you um 
What are things that um, you recall people have done that have like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm like 90% sure I'm going to hire this person and they show up and you're like, nope, next, or vice versa. You're like, ah, I don't know, but I guess I'll talk to them. You're like, oh my gosh, yes, you are the one I want to hire. What, what are those things that my listeners can take your experiences and, and learn from? Well, you know, unfortunately, one of the things I have had to learn is to be an HR manager since I've had to hire lots of people. And I found out that I'm not very good at it. Um, oh, okay. I, I tend to be over, like, I can sense people and I, I often sense potential. Um, sadly, a lot of people are just not interested to, to develop their potential. They, they could be doing great, but they're not interested in doing great. So when I, when I interview someone, I see a spark. I see sharpness in their eyes. I, I see they are intelligent. I, I, I can sense that they could do a lot. Um, and based on that, I, I tend to hire people. Unfortunately, a number of times it's turned out that while they could do a lot, they were not interested in doing so. And so... Um, that has been a challenge for me. Uh, one thing that definitely helps is, and there's been research done actually by Google on that, uh, and they found that some of the top skills that that were needed for a lot of the project were soft skills. Uh, interpersonal communication, uh, being able to listen well to others. Um, mm-hmm. And those are things that are, delicate to articulate in a resume, but that is something that hopefully through your demeanor, you can communicate in a person-to-person interview. Um, Networking clearly is is still, in a way, it's a prehistoric way of of finding a job, but sadly, it's still, until AIs can really match us to something that's good for us, um, it's something that still needs to be considered and, and sought after. It's it's very much about contacting people, making new acquaintances and seeing which ones, you know, what you can, what, it, it's not just about what they can bring to you. It, it's trying to see what you can bring to them. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you help other people, they will be much more inclined to help you. And, and by helping them, you may be placing them in a position where later on they will be able to help you as well. Um, so yeah. being, being open to it, being a two-way street is important in my mm-hmm. perspective. Um, yeah. And yeah, other than that, uh, good luck. You know, persevere. But perseverance. I mean, that's energy. Clearly, energy is a big thing. When, when, when you do manage to get to in-person uh, meeting, uh, having a, a high energy, demonstrating that you're a positive person, uh, you know, as a recruiter, as, 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 as a boss, if, if you're in front of me and you're being negative, that is definitely not going to help you. Uh, whether it's negative about the people you were working with, about your previous company, about, you know, I mean, you can explain, well, you know, we had a differing, a difference of opinion with the previous boss or they were trying to make me do something I wasn't supposed to do. So that didn't work out. Um, that's one way of, you know, communicating it, but starting to really badmouth someone or a company, I would strongly advise against, um, even if it's true, it's, it just, 
Yeah. As a boss, as a boss, I know that managing and leading a company is exceedingly difficult. Because maybe we're the boss. And and you know, at one point when we, in Gamers Loot, I was like, you know, if I could fire myself, I would. Except there's nobody else who can do what I'm doing. So while I'm I'm making mistakes, while I, I sucked and I I you know I screwed up and I, I did all those things I shouldn't have, I don't see how I can replace myself. I, I don't see anyone else I could do it. So I'm going to have to keep going. Um, and so, you know, at times you kind of have to keep your boss some slack, uh, especially if he's the owner, you know, I mean, it's, he's very well, if he's the owner, he's probably trying his best because it's his company. And, yeah. and even if he's making mistakes, help him um, however you can. And constructive criticism is great. Negativity is not. Uh, so, so explain the difference between those okay. two. Uh, being negative is saying, oh, that's not going to work. And stopping there. That's, that's negative. Constructive criticism is, hmm, I think if we try that, uh, we might have difficulty with this particular aspect. However, I'm thinking maybe we could try this or this or this, or do you think there's a different way we could go about this so that we don't have this particular problem? That's presenting things as, here's a concern that I have. Can we work together to try and solve it? Saying, oh, no, this isn't going to work. That's basically telling the person, you're stupid and we can't do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So... So you're, you're a pretty self-reflective guy. Um, you know, early on in your career, like, look back and see how you've changed. Um, and, and what advice would you give to younger people entering the workforce? Uh, entering the workforce or trying to start a company? Either one. Okay. Either one. Um, and okay, so some things that apply to both. Be eager to learn. Really be eager to learn and take ownership. I mean, even in the companies where I entered as an employee, um, in, in most cases, I ended up just taking over either entire divisions or the entire company. Uh, because I didn't limit myself to what I was responsible for, but I kept, I, I had a broad vision of what the company was trying to accomplish and of what areas around mine were, were trying to accomplish or should have been trying to accomplish. And anytime I was seeing something that was missing or anytime I saw something where I could offer help, I would step in and say, Hey, you know, um, I think that marketing may want to do this, even if I wasn't the marketing boss Um, or, you know, Oh, I'm getting a lot of customers requesting this and contacting engineering and trying to see if that's something they could do, even if I wasn't in engineering and, and communicating was, I I had no fear about talking to the CEO, talking to anybody above me about my thoughts on on how to improve the company. And Mm -hmm. because of that proactivity, because of the fact that they could see I was trying to solve problem, um, I kept being promoted. And I mean, in those cases, it was particularly in cases where the company had crisis going. 
I function well under pressure and I, I like to solve problems. And so companies that have a lot of problems, I do great in. <clears throat> um, okay. But I expect it, it's true anywhere. <clears throat> I mean, early, obviously, if you're flipping burgers in McDonald's, I, I don't know. But I, I would guess there is still some things you can do to demonstrate that you have an eye for it. And, and that will make you manage your, manage your material. It, it's how you climb the ranks. Um, at least it's one way that's worked very well for me. Okay. So that's, that's for, you know, anybody and maybe not those who are sort of looking to start their own thing, but you know, I'm very curious of it because I run my own side business and I'm, I'm very happy with my company, but I, I do think about these things. So, so like somebody who wants to start a tech focused, you know, new job, like their own thing, what advice would you give to those people? Um, I'm sorry. They want to start a tech new job, meaning they're going to be hired in a company, or they want to start no. Their own? They're going to start okay. their own company. They're going to start their own okay. thing. Um, I I would. I guess it kind of depends on the scope of what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, I seem to have an inability to think small. Anytime I think, you know, starting a company. I want to take over the world. I, I'm immediately thinking, you know, seven continents and how to be everywhere and how to serve everyone. Um, but, you know, some people are just happy filling a niche and providing a service. So if I, I would, con- if somebody's going to be a freelance, um, it, it's a question of discipline and setting a schedule is probably a very good thing. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I've worked from home a lot of the time. And, you know, knowing that there's a time where you start and you're going to focus on your work and you're going to get things done. And at the same time, also setting times where you're going to take a break, where you're going to have your time. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as an entrepreneur, it's easy to just get caught up in the business and get lost in it and, and be doing just that, which is also unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and so making sure you you keep sight of the other priorities of life, family and, and friends and, and relationships and, you know, caring about people and health and exercise and that sort of thing. Um, those things are important so that you can keep up your energy level for the business. I mean, you know, even if you decide you're going to work 12 hours a day, that's fine. If, if that's that's what you want to do. You can do that. Just make sure in the remaining 12 hours, you feed yourself properly. You still keep in touch with your loved one and you exercise a little bit at least and you'll be good. Yeah. Um, for those seeking something a little more large scale, um, find partners. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm at the point where if I'm going to start a new business, I do not want to do it alone. It's, exceedingly difficult to do that alone Um, because you have to be everything. You have to be the salesperson. You have to be the HR person. You have to be the the financial person. You you have to be everything. Every time there is a problem, it is your problem. There's nobody else you can count on. If you have a down day, well, too bad for you because you still have all those problems you need to address. Regardless of whether you're feeling good or not, whether you're sick or not, it's all on you. Uh, whereas if you have partners, you can, you know, it's kind of like a marriage. You can kind of rely on each other to take over when, when you're having a bad time. Um, so if, yeah. and, you know, there's a temptation when, when you start a business to think, oh my gosh, you know, I have this idea and nobody has this idea. And if I 
tell anybody else they're going to steal it. Um, it's it's a risk to to take. Um, having an idea is great, but executing it is a difficult part. Uh, chances that there's a very high likelihood that if you have an idea, a lot of other people have this idea. It, the one that actually does it right is the one that will succeed. And, you know, oftentimes there's room for more than one to succeed. Uh, yeah. yeah. But doing so alone, that is much more unlikely. So find people you trust. That's, that's very important. It's, it's finding people that you can actually do that with. It, it's kind of like a marriage. You know, you're going to be... You're going to be butting heads. You're going to have to agree on a lot of things where you didn't agree on before. And it's something that, that's going to be very close to both of your hearts or all three of your hearts if it's three of you. So you, you need people that have good values that, that you can connect with, uh, not just good skills, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. You, uh, you definitely don't want a shady business partner. <clears throat> exactly. So... I know that you, you've touched on this a little bit, um, you know, talking about how, you know, you, you weren't really afraid to talk to people. Was that something that you've always done or was that, you know, a skill that you've had to cultivate over the years? Um, I'd say it's a bit unfair because I, in a way I cultivated it when I was maybe six years old or eight years old, I faced my fears. I was afraid of the dark and I got tired of being afraid of the dark. And so I locked, I, I locked myself in a, in a closed room, no lights. Um, and I, you know, I had all those monsters I could see when I closed my eyes and I just let them rush toward me and said, go for it. So I, I basically faced my fears very early on. And since that time I've been, I would say dangerously fearless. Um, I've, I've done things that rationally I probably shouldn't have because I wasn't afraid of height. I, I've jumped from second story buildings. I've, or from moving vehicles, I've broken both my arms, um, you know, like physical harm because I, I kind of lacked the fear gene. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not completely irrational. I, I try not to do things that I know will definitely cause me harm, but yeah, I, I, a lot, I, I, I lack fear compared to most of the people. And, and that goes for public speaking, for any of those things. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident, I guess. I'm, I do not consider myself so much uh, under the purview of people as much as under the purview of God. And if I feel like I'm in sync with, with God and that whatever I'm doing is, is okay, then if people think I'm crazy, if people disagree, I, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not trying to hurt anyone or get in their face or anything like that. I, I, I don't want to disturb anyone, but I still do my own thing, you know, on the side or where they can't see it or in ways that I try not to disturb them. Um, but yes, I don't let opinions stop me. Mm. I love that. That that speaks to me today, Patrick. I, uh, I, uh, I I started a Reddit flame war uh, a couple days ago, completely inadvertently trying to offer some advice and it, it, uh, it, it backfired on me a little bit when I was like, 
hey, um, we don't live in 1995 anymore, <laughs> and you need to take responsibility for your own training because I would love for your company to provide it for you, but it's not going to be to the level that's going to get you your next job. You're probably mm-hmm. going to have to do that yourself. And if you do, you may have to spend some money, and that sucks, and that, that's painful the first or second or third time you do it. But you know, as somebody who's done that, for you know years and years and years now i look at my paycheck and probably your paycheck and i go oh yeah that was the right investment to make uh-huh. because i've invested in myself and yes, you know definitely. it's so i think that's one thing that i feel is is sorely lacking and you know so anyways long story short is i had so many hate mails come to me uh through Reddit with people saying, oh, you're terrible and don't tell me how to live my life and, you know, people should provide this to me and I, I just don't agree. And, it's, you know, it, it's yes. entitlement. It's entitlement. Yeah. And, and the generation that's growing up now has a lot of this sense of entitlement of, of they owe me this and they owe me that. And, I mean, in a way, life is so easy for a lot of people now compared to what, you know, old timers like us had it. Um, it's, Hey, go live in the Philippines, like, you know, sleep in the streets without food. Like I've seen a lot of the kids that I work at doing and then come back and tell me that, you know, you should get all those things. Um, I've, I've been blessed to have traveled the world and worked with, I, you know, I've rubbed shoulders with John Doerr and, and some of the top VC investors people in the valley and you know i've worked in silicon valley i've been at google i've I've interviewed at apple i've you know i've been in that world where millionaires and even some billionaires are around and and i've lived in the philippines for 10 years where yeah well you have kids sleeping in the street going without food and and i've tried to empathize with both but the key thing is life is not owed to you. Uh, you know, people are nice. A lot of people are nice and, and some of them will try to help you if you're nice to them. But if you go from the assumption that everything should be given to you, uh, you probably will be disillusioned a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, it, I feel like, I feel like the mentality is, you know, um, you know, carpe diem. I don't, I don't know what the right term is, but you know, if you do it yourself, you know, you don't owe anybody. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there are times when I've had my employer pay for training, and I'm like, oh well, I probably shouldn't. Like, you know, they paid five thousand dollars for that training class. Should probably stick around for a year. You know what? But if I paid for that training class myself. Hi, you know, somebody's offering me a $10,000 raise. I'm out of here, you know? Um, so yes, it's uh thank you for sharing that Patrick. Cause like, I kind of needed to hear that today. <laughs> if nobody else got anything out of that, I, I know I did. I'm good. So, okay. So you deal with a lot of, you know, overseas, um, outsourcing type things. Uh-huh. But I know here in the United States, there's some general feelings about, you know, low quality and, and t- can you speak to that a little bit and sort of give a flip side of that and kind of explain that world? 
Okay. Um, it it very much depends um, who you go to. I mean, to be honest, you, you look at, at something like Fiverr.com, and mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of low-quality stuff that's being offered by people in the U.S. Um, it, it's a question of finding a person that has that that you know, has the right skill for the job. And people, whether it be in the Philippines, in India, in China, or or wherever, um, a lot of them have very good skills for some particular tasks. And um, if you manage to find the right people, then they will do the job much better and without necessarily the same feeling of entitlement that some Americans might have. in addition to which, people need to wake up and realize that AI is likely to be taking up at least 50% of the current jobs within the next 10 to 20 years maximum. Um, and I I'm, I'm, think I'm being generous by seeing just 50% because we're talking lawyers and surgeons and including brain surgeons. I mean, a lot of the current jobs are going to be replaced. Um, skills like creativity and, and, you know, and social skills, soft skills are, are going to be more important. Um, and we probably will have to change our mentality, particularly in the U S that if someone doesn't have a job, if they're not rich, they suck, that they must not have worked hard enough that they, you know, they must have something wrong. Um, I've seen it enough in other countries where people that are smart, that would be hardworking, just don't have opportunities. Now, the U.S. is, quote-unquote, the land of opportunities, which means that the people simply by being born here are offered a lot more opportunities than people elsewhere. But that's going to be changing a lot. Uh, you know, China is overtaking the U.S. as far as the economy is going. They're going to be the one kind of dictating terms a lot more than, than they are now. Uh, I mean, right now, the U.S. can kind of dictate terms because there's one buying a lot of the stuff. But within a few years, China is going to be the one buying stuff from the U.S. And they're going to start dictating terms, and, and the balance of power is going to shift a lot. And, and I think a lot of Americans are going to be very miffed that that basically China is going to be treating them the way they've been treating China in the past. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, what goes around comes around. So, uh, I mean, they better already be very accepting of, of their fellow men that may not have the opportunities that they've had because they may find sooner than they expect that they themselves no longer have opportunities. What then? I mean, if they don't work now that they have some power and some resources to provide for those that don't have opportunities, um, they may find themselves among those that don't have opportunities without resources because they refuse to work on that. So Hmm. I would, I would encourage everybody to think of the less fortunates and, uh, you know, I mean, there's been a big discussion about, um, you know, uh, minimum income for everyone. Yeah, uh, with with no requirements, and I, you know, in my perspective, that is something that is 
obvious. I mean, we we're going to have to get to that. It, it's not a question of, of if it's a question of when it, it to me with a vision of the future, of course, we're going to need to provide a minimum amount or some kind of currency for everybody because I mean, today we already produce enough stuff around the world to provide for, for the basic needs of everybody, of, of all seven or eight billions of us. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there's still an issue about distributing it properly, um, you know, to the right people and corruption and laws and all of that. But we, we already produce enough for everyone. Um, and we're just going to be producing more and more and, and, and stuff that we need less and less are going to be available to everybody. Uh, I mean, in the Philippines, people don't necessarily have food to eat, but a lot of them have cell phones, smartphones, because because it's communication, because it's so important, because it's, I mean, and, and we're talking computers, basically, that, that 10 years ago or 20 years ago were prohibitively expensive. So in the next 10, 20 years, a lot of the things that that right now we are making, computers are going to be making. I mean, Tesla is working on, on you know, automating the machines that made the machines. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. that's going to be true of more and more companies. As I said earlier in, in, at the beginning, AI is, is a field that's going to be completely exploding in the next, you know, next 10, 20. I mean, it's exploding now, but it's, it's going to become pervasive in everything. Uh, just like the internet is now pervasive, AI will be pervasive. And that means jobs will be gone. What are people going to be doing? Um, there's going to be a lot of, a lot more creative people. And, and, you know, I mean, you, you can't see it like right now what we're doing. We're just being creative and talking and passing on information in, in a format that can be appealing to some. Um, there's going to be a lot more of that. And we're going to need to find a way to uh, pay people for that, to, to reward people for that. Uh, and that, would be a lot easier if everyone had some amount of some currency, whether it be, you know, the future Bitcoin or dollars or whatever you want to call it in ways that can be transacted in microtransaction, you know, like five cents here or five cents there from, from, you know, a hundred thousand people is going to add up to, to a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, being able to do that, whether it's because you watch a cool YouTube videos, you know, instead of a like, you might give a five cents or something. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going out a bit on the limb there. I'm, I'm not, I, I think that's likely to happen, but I'm not sure what format it will take. But the fact that more and more people will not have standard jobs that they have right now, that's, that's a guarantee. The fact that people, even if they don't do anything considered productive um, will still need to have some kind of basic way of meeting their needs because there just won't be enough officially productive things to do. Um, I mean, you know, in a way, like artists right now, you go to a concert, what is the productive thing that the person is doing? They're not, they're not producing a good uh, that, that we're going to use. It's just they're making people happy, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- there's going to be a lot more of that distributed, I would think. Interesting. So you're, you're, long, on, uh, you're, you're long on creative. You think that's something people will turn to more? Yes, definitely. And there, there will be more opportunities to be creative. 
I actually, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that, you know, give five cents to Google things. So, um, you know, one of the things that I'm doing to, you know, sort of promote the podcast and, um, you know, to get better at writing, I, I write a lot of stuff on Medium. And the interesting part is, is when you get to a certain tier at Medium, um, it's just like YouTube. If enough people read your stuff and you attract enough uh, eyeballs uh-huh. you start making money from your posts so it's, i think it's already happening you know i, I you're right it's, uh, you're right actually i should have thought of that because i mean it, it's an idea i've had i don't know five ten years ago but i'm you're right i i didn't translate it like that but it is happening because youtube or or you now or a, a number of different mediums offer that sort of thing where you get enough viewers you start actually getting money um, even if it's for something that before was free, that people were not interested. I mean, you know, YouTube in the early days, a YouTube channel, and then what? You know, okay, great. Lots of people have watched my channel, but that didn't mean anything. But yeah. they started monetizing it, and now if you have enough people, they pay you for it, which makes sense because it is your content and you are being creative. So yeah. there, there's going to be more and more of that, yes. Well, before we wrap up here, Patrick, um, you know, you've talked a lot about, you know, your experiences and AI, you know, what, what is one parting thing that you just love that, what is one thing that you're super excited about or super into that you just love to tell people about? Well, my, my, my thing lately has been, the, and because it is my thing, I already mentioned it, it it's a whole hiring and, and recruitment thing. I mean, it's been a pet peeve of mine when I was an employer. It's a mm-hmm. pet peeve of mine as a job searcher. Um, that huge inefficiency in, in recruiting is just, uh, can you imagine how many Einsteins there are plowing fields? Because, well, that's kind of the only thing they can do right now uh, in order to, to eat so that that's something that i hope will, somebody will will fix sometime soon and you know maybe i'll participate in that i'm actually talking to linkedin at the moment so we'll see what happens very cool i hope that happens patrick because that would be uh pretty neat make sure to uh let us know keep us uh keep Close us it. informed Sounds so good. Well, hey, uh, listeners, you know, for anybody who wants to reach out, you know, if you're interested in supporting Patrick, I can get you uh, information on that. And uh, Patrick, just uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. I, uh, I appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck, man. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Take All righty. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I wanted to circle back around to something, you know, a lot of what I talk about is, hey, if you want to do something, just do it. Like, don't don't be afraid. Don't be freaked out. And so I am excited to tell you something that I'm going to do. I have been debating this a lot. And, you know, if you've been with me since the beginning, you know that my passion is really to help people, right? Like, I love my job. I love technology. And I will probably always continue doing that. But nothing really makes me quite as happy as helping people solve problems, specifically when they're like, God, I don't even know what to do with my tech career. So I wanted to 
basically make this announcement that if you're looking for a little bit of coaching or a little bit of LinkedIn advice, hit me up, man. Like I, I would love to help you. Now, I'm probably not as expensive as you might think. Um, a lot of the LinkedIn people out there are super expensive. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want to turn people away just because of cost, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to my website and I want you to sign up. Um, there's going to be a box on there that says about us. And down on the bottom, it, there's a contact button. Or if you want to click on the speak pipe thing on the right that says leave a voice memo or find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Preston Kilburn. Um, and let's get together and let's talk because if you listen to my podcast, you know, I'm pretty damn good at LinkedIn and I'm pretty good at the passive recruiting game, right? Because you kind of have to game recruiters a little bit. Um, and as much as it's annoying, sometimes you need to go change some words out for some other words on your LinkedIn profile. And for a lot of people, they start doing it and it looks just completely overwhelming. So let me help you with that. So reach out to me if you are interested. I would love to help you. Another thing I wanted to sort of just announce and give you guys just a little a little peek behind the curtains. I am working on a promo deal with um, with a company and I'm pretty excited. I can't reveal the name right now, but one thing that I promised you in episode zero is I won't tell you about anything that I think is crappy and I won't promo anything that I haven't used and that I haven't used for a long time. Yeah, relatively a long time, but so I have two tools that I'm really excited about, but honestly, um, I, I want to verify a few things first to make sure that nobody's getting ripped off me, the company, or most importantly, you guys. So thanks for sticking around and listening to my outro. Again, if you're interested in a little LinkedIn or career coaching, specifically if you're a tech person and you're looking to improve your passive searchability, hit me up. I would love to help you with that. But if not, hey, keep listening. I've got so many guests in the pipe and I am very excited to share them with you. I hope you have enjoyed listening and I hope you have a great day and I hope you're having a great week. Talk to you guys later.